This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. So glad you've joined us today. So glad that you were worshiping with us. And whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, uh, we're glad you've tuned in today. Uh, There's something about Sundays. Thank you so much. There's something about Sundays and being in church in your living room, in your kitchen, and we are glad you've joined us today as we finish the first week of 2021, 2021, and we're glad you've joined us today. And uh, just jumping on the chat before uh, we, I came up to preach today, and I don't know if you know this, but we are live. This is live. Uh, this is not pre-recorded, and it's so good to see so many names that we know your faces, and many others we've never seen your face. We don't know you but you've tuned in both locally, globally, nationally, and we're glad you've come to church today. And these next few minutes, I'm gonna let you know what the goal is, so you know right up, there's no, there's no bait and switch, there's no landmine, there's no blindsiding, literally, this is the goal today. You ready for this? Gonna leave this time closer to Jesus than when you started. You're like, I don't know Jesus. Well, you can know him before we end this today. Gonna leave here encouraged, full of hope, full of joy, full of peace full of the knowing that there's a God that made you, there's a God that saves us, and a God that wants to lead us as he loves us. So we're glad you're in church today. And uh, if you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to Psalm 62. But before I get there, Psalm 62, I'm going to read another verse as I encourage you this morning. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says this, Hope deferred. We've been talking about hope this whole month, and uh, we're passionate about hope. And we want to unpack hope. And we feel if there's anything this world needs, yes, it needs uh, a cure. It needs to be rid of of this pandemic. We need a lot of things. But I believe the the common thing that we all need as the human soul is hope. The Bible says hope deferred, hope delayed, hope hope gone, hope uh, disintegrated. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is the tree of life and hopelessness hopelessness is a pandemic that was long before covid and this is what hopelessness is this is my definition it's not webster it's not a commentary it's the way i define hopelessness is when you think all that there all that you see is all that there is that's hopelessness is that in that moment if you're feeling the struggle and weight and pain and shame and pressure that you think that all you see is all there is that's hopelessness So many people get lost in a moment of hopelessness, thinking this is it. My life will never get any better. There's no hope. There's no help coming. There's no one around me. There's no future. All I have is the past and this moment. And hopelessness is thinking all that you see is all that there is. I want to remind you today, there's more. And uh, we are blitzing our city, blitzing uh, the internet with the hope of Jesus Christ. You'll even see behind me this bus shelter that's up in our city all over uh, uh, Halifax and it is that get your hopes up. And people think, man, like, some people are like, man, that we've never needed that more. And other people are like, how can you have hope in the middle of this economic and social and the problems and, and racial and justice and government and health? And I'm like, oh, because our hope is in the Lord. And we have a dream today. And we got billboards and bus shelters and our 21 days of hope. We want you to get your hopes up 
today. Are you there in Psalm 62? I gave you time to get there. I know what you're waiting for. You're waiting for this screen to show the verse. But if you have a Bible, uh, something about marking in your Bible. I like marking in my Bible. Uh, I, I just love writing in my Bible, reading my Bible, carrying my Bible. Psalm chapter 62, verse 5. We're going to read this together. It says, let all that I am, that word all. Do you know that in the Newfoundese language, all means all? Uh, do you know in Greek, all means all? you know in French, all means all? Uh, it says, let all that I am wait patiently before God. For my hope is in, come on, say it with me, church, him. My hope is in not the government, not in a vaccine, not in a stimulus package, not in the strength of your Wi-Fi, not in your paycheck, not in uh, the person you wake up next to or you don't wake up next to your hope. Let all that I am wait, pay, wait quietly, shh, quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Today, for the next few minutes, I want to just encourage you today on this topic, this title, and I believe in writing notes down somewhere. Maybe it's on your notes on your phone. Maybe it's in a, in a notebook. But write this down, something, this title, Nothing at noon. Nothing at noon. Can we pray today? Uh, I want to pray for you. And so many people have been sending in prayer requests, even since the billboards went up. And we've got some ones that are for health, and some are for finances and relationships, and some are life and death. And even last night, one came in that just so touched our hearts of people's vulnerability. And we want to pray for you today. And you'll see on the screen um, a number come up. If you text that number, or if you're international, you can go on the website and just put a prayer request or through our social media, direct message us. We want to pray for you. We have people praying all week for you. Um, we want to pray for you. Can I pray today as we start and believe God's going to encourage us? It's been a good morning so far, and God has a plan. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you. Even right now, as people are texting that word prayer to that number, and they're getting that link to fill out a prayer request, God, we stand today knowing that our hope is in you. That, God, you are not distant, you are not distracted, you are not delayed, and you will not deny us from your presence. God, I pray you'd move in through Yarmouth today, through, through Chester, through, through Halifax, through Cape Breton, up into New Brunswick, across the country, even into the Philippines and Indonesia, as we have people watching in Brazil today and through Europe. Father, I pray today that your presence knows no distance, it knows no time, and God, you are as close as the mention of your name. So today we say, Jesus, help us today. God, we wait quietly before you, all that we have, for our hope is in you. Thank you, God, that you're with us today. And everybody said, and everybody text, amen, amen, amen. I have a question for you today, and here's the thought. Are, are you a good listener? Are you a good listener? If you don't know the answer, ask the person you're closest to. It might be a spouse, maybe it's a parent. Are you a good listener? Uh, I go back often to my days as a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for over a decade, and, and I remember one of the most frustrating times of my life was always winter retreat. Around this time of year, the end of January, beginning of February, we'd take uh, busloads and hundreds of kids away for a retreat, and it would always be the exact same scenario. didn't matter what, when in my leadership in 20 years of some form of youth ministry, is we'd get to the point in the retreat when we'd have game time. And we'd line the kids either up in a huge gym or in a huge field, and we'd line them up, and we'd, okay, here's what we're going to do. And we would organize for weeks ahead of time, like relay races or scavenger hunts or war games or some kind of team activity. And 
I mean, we put time and thought into it from, from hula hoops to paintballs to puzzles to word, uh, word games to you name it, obstacle courses. And we would build this amazing experience for these young people just to enjoy themselves. And I, I just think, you know, a lot of church needs to be enjoying each other and just being relational. And I believe in getting God's word, but I think sometimes the most holiest thing you can do is laugh. It's laugh together. I believe when you get full of hope, that joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And well, Listen, we're in church way too much. We're with God way too much not to enjoy it. God's will is not easy, but it is enjoyable. And uh, I, there's a word there for somebody. But we're lining these games up, and, every, and we get everybody lined up across a line. And we're like, okay, we've explained the whole game to you. We've talked about you got to go down around that corner, come back around here, put this together. You're in teams of this many people. This is your captain. These are the points. These are your team colors. And we explained it, and we hyped it, and we got music going, and we think it's crystal clear. And then I say this, on your mark, get set. And every single time, there'd be a whole bunch of teenage boys that would go, whoa, 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 what? Wait, what? What are we doing? Where do we have to go? Who's on my team? What are, do we start now? And I'd sigh. And my leaders would sigh, and the high school girls would sigh, <laughs> and we'd all just, because high school girls, listen, if, you, if your life is unorganized, if you have a teenage daughter, just give it to them. They'll organize your life, your schedule, they'll, they'll organize the cars and where they need to go, and girls, it seemed like, it seemed, in my experience, the high school girls were always organized, they had a plan for their life and for yours, um, but high school boys are a little different animal, and they would be so confused, of, I don't understand what we're doing, and we'd have to explain it again. And sure enough, we get ready to start, but someone was distracted and someone was on their phone or someone was not paying attention or someone was eating and then we'd go to start again and they'd be like, well, well wait, just wait, what? I don't understand. What are we doing right now? And I'd sigh again and the girls would sigh and the leaders would sigh and sometimes I wonder if God feels that way about me. God's like, okay, Mike, it's a new year. We have some goals. We have some direction. We have some vision. We have some plans and this is what you, these are the rules. This is the plan. This is the vision. This is the dream. Okay, you ready, Mike? God's got plans for you. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for this church. Maybe you can relate to this. And God's like, okay, ready, set. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, what? What, 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 what are we doing? So I was just texting somebody. What are we doing, God? I don't, are we starting now? Now? Or like now? Like, like now? Like, I don't understand. Where do I go first? And I don't know. Maybe God feels that way too. You a good listener? Sometimes I'm not a good listener. I remember when I was growing up uh, in church, my, my pastor would just stop talking during a message when the youth section was distracted. And he, maybe you had a church like this. He'd just stand there in the middle of a big church and just stand there and look at us until we stopped talking. And sometimes when it goes silence, then you realize, wait a minute, no one else is talking. And you look up to see the whole church waiting for you to finish. Sometimes I feel like heaven is waiting for me to finish what I was doing before they go on with the plan for my life. Silence. Are you a good listener today? I wonder. Today I want to remind you what this stage is, this platform. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not a place to share and preach opinions. It's not a place where we become life coaches. I'm not here to share the latest fad of diets or exercise. It's not a place to build celebrity of anybody that gets on this stage and build our followers and social platforms. This is not a place where we preach what we, what, we, what we are convicted about all the time in our opinions of you should eat this type and not eat this and you should, you, should, you should think this way. This is a place to preach the gospel. And we say this often, we preach the gospel, not our opinions. Now, when we preach, you'll catch on to 
that we like to do this form of exercise and we eat this and don't eat this and we like this kind of music and we, we believe in doing this as a family and these are our values, but I believe in preaching the gospel today. This is not a place that we're going to tell you how to live your life based on our opinions, but we do believe that there is convictions and gospel in here and as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, it is our job, our passion, to go through here and mine. Sometimes you have to go with a rake and sometimes with a shovel. And you've got to go down into the depths of this and find out the rhythms and principles and truths that Jesus has for us in his word. This is not a poetry book. It's actually a blueprint for our life. It is a manual for our life. And I believe sometimes if we want the power that Jesus had and we want to live the life that he has, we have to do what he did. And we have to go through this and mine. And that is the goal of this platform and this podium today. And today I want to pull through a, a couple of things and what is, what is helping us to be apprentices of Jesus. See, the Bible calls them disciples, and we use that term disciple, but a more accurate word would actually be the word apprentices. And if you're watching this today, if you're a part of our church, you're an apprentice of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, before we end today, you can be an apprentice of Jesus. I love that word apprentice. And before a certain man in the States ruined that word forever for me with reality TV, I remember growing, spending some time in my early 20s in Europe, and this one part of Europe I was living in, they had this amazing program. And after they finished high school, or as they called it, A-levels, if you were going to go into a trade as a plumber or electrician, or you're going to be a lawyer or something, they asked that you do an apprenticeship before you went to school. It was interesting. I remember hearing my friends that were going to go into the trades going, yeah, i got to do a year apprenticeship. I'm like, do you get paid for that? No, I don't get paid for that. What do you do? Well, I find a local tradesperson that will adopt me, take me as their own, and I apprentice for a year. At the end of that year, I've not only learned information, but I've learned rhythms and style and values. If I'm a plumber, I've learned how to contact a customer, how, how to greet them at the door. Do I take my boots off or leave them on? I learn the name of the guy at the, trade, at the corner store, at the, that, the, at the home supply store that sells all the fittings and pipes and I, I learned the ins and outs of the business and how to do it practically before I ever go to school. And I was like, why do you do that? They said, because at the end of that year, it's the most real to what life will be like in that trade. And then you realize, do I want to spend my time and my money going to school for that? I thought it was fascinating. But that word apprentice is you actually look, you sound, you move, you value what your master or teacher is like. Apprentice, when I grew up, uh, in youth ministry, my youth pastor, was, I was his apprentice. And it's amazing, he, he, he was an interesting character. And Pastor Bruce, he, he early on, I learned that he doesn't like doing errands alone. He's like, just take people with him. And he'd take these disciples and people with him. And he'd promise you coffee, but you'd always end up at the motorbike store, at the motorcycle. We'd show up over a, at ProCycle. And I don't like motorcycles, and I had a minibike as a kid, but I don't have a motorbike license. But I know everything from R1s to Honda 250s. I know about Ducatis. And I know about, about, uh, about what bike you take for long distance and which one you go for speed. And I know the difference in fairings. And why? Because when I was with him, we'd always end up where he wanted to go. And I knew the name of Al and all the sales agents at the cycle place. And why? Because I actually became like him. And then when I started pastoring, it's amazing how I started taking people with me on errands. Now, I'd promise coffee, and then I'd just end up at a coffee shop. I just, I just got rid of the middleman of the motorcycle shop, and I'd just show up at coffee shops, and we'd sit there and talk. And it's amazing, though I went to school for the information, I actually act like 
the person that trained me in a lot of ways. Today we are apprentices of Jesus. We're apprentices of his lifestyle. And apprenticing is, a, is more than information. It's modeling style. It's modeling rhythms of life and values. And as an apprentice of Jesus today, we need to understand that Jesus valued silence. If it was important to him, see, if we're going to have the power of Jesus, if we're going to live the life of Jesus, we have to follow the rhythms of Jesus. I'm not a chef. I'm not a cook, as you even heard. I don't even enjoy food. But I've learned you, if you want the product, you have to go through the process. And as apprentices, we need to be hungry and obsessed with the rhythms of Jesus. And they're applicable today. But one thing I've learned about Jesus, even as I'm studying and reflecting and getting ready for what God has in this season of my life and as me and Nancy pastor this church, is Jesus valued silence. He valued silence. And here's the tension. We as a culture, we avoid silence. You ever notice the music is always on? Can't go for a drive without the playlist. Is that just me? Go to bed, the fan has to be on. If you're in the house... You need the TV on in the background. The phone's always in our hand. We, we, we resist silence as a culture. If it's silence, we equate that with awkwardness. We equate that with something's not working. There's no atmosphere when there's silence. I'm an atmosphere guy. And if there's, if there's silence, it's not the right atmosphere. And we have resist silence. We got fans when we sleep and phones in our hand and music playing and TVs on and there's always something happening. And what's interesting is Jesus valued silence today. Today I want to talk to you about the value of silence. In his book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I'm rereading this year, Mark, uh, John Mark uh, Comer said it this, he explained this truth I'd never seen before, but in Scripture, Jesus was starting his ministry, and he had one day of ministry. He came in on the scene. His cousin John the Baptist baptized him. The heavens opened. God the Father said, this is my son, who I am so proud of and so pleased. The people saw a shift happening at that transition from John, who was the leader, to Jesus, who was the Messiah. And this unveiling and this moment of, this is his moment to shine of ministry. And after one day of ministry, it says the Spirit led Jesus to a desert. I often wondered about that, and it says he went for 40 days. Now, that word desert actually doesn't translate into sand and cactuses. It actually translates into isolation. And it isn't interesting. Jesus had one day on the scene, and then he was taken into isolation. It says at the end of the 40 days, if you know your Bible at all, it says that the, the devil came to him and tempted him, tempted him in worship and in provision and to give up his identity and to, to serve and, and, and to bow down to anything but God. And I remember growing up hearing, and I've even preached this myself, isn't that just like the devil? Come to you at your weakest, 40 days, no food, starving, fasting, away from everybody, nobody to help him, nobody to pray with him, on his own for 40 days, and then the, isn't that just like the devil? Kick you when you're down, ain't fair, that's the devil. And I used to preach that, and I used to hear that preached, and I understand what I was saying, I understand what people were saying. But if you understand the values and rhythms of Jesus, as in his book, he shares a different truth. And it's this. It's, no, no, Jesus saw silence as strengthening. Wow. In fact, he went into 40 days because he knew that fight was coming to strengthen himself wow. before he had to go for that fight. That's why even in the garden, he prayed before the cross. He wasn't trying to get alone. 
just to collect his thoughts. His strength came from silence. At the end of those 40 days, he was the strongest he could have been. He was in communion with the Father. In another verse, he says, I have bread you know not of. I don't need bread for strength. I need every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. At the end of 40 days of isolation from distraction, isolation from noise, away from people and fame and schedules and to-do lists, focused in on the silence that only heaven can breathe hope through you for all that I am. Sitting quietly before the Lord, I am filled with hope. At his strongest, he took on the enemy but so many times we resist silence and Jesus embraced it he valued it I fear in all our advancements of information we've lost something of the rhythm of Jesus little glimpse into my life if I want to focus with God I need the right playlist it's that new song that just came out, that new album, that acoustic album that just came out. I need the lighting just right, and I need the fireplace on. I need to make sure I have the right ambient lighting and music. I want to go through my Bible app so I can go through different versions while I read in my, and I have a lot going on. But Jesus, the rhythms, and all our information that we gain, is it possible we've lost something of the rhythms of our master as we're apprentices of him? Jesus had nothing at noon. He had nothing for 40 days. He understood the value of silence. Today, as apprentices, I want to just speak to you again. Psalm 62, we already read it. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. The new year, I love new year. I love the new start. I love the momentum and at some point, maybe you didn't write down a resolution, but maybe you had the thoughts of, where do I want to be better this year? I have. Hopefully you have. Where do I want to get better? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. I don't know. But let me ask you this question. Relationships are so important. The best things in life and the most challenging things in life have a face attached to it. It's not a thing. It's not a place. It's a person. What would be one thing? If you're writing down notes, say, write down this question. What would be one thing? you could do to make a relationship better? You'll see this behind me. This is the question I want you to ask today. Any relationship, if you're married, your spouse, if you're a parent with your kids, if you're a kid with your sibling or your parent, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, what is one thing you can do to make a relationship better? Write that down. Just write an answer there. Some, what's one thing you could do to make a relationship better? I would guess that you're probably not putting down money. You're probably not putting down a possession. It may, it may be worded differently. It might be in the form of a vacation. It might be in the form of, hey, uh, time off. It might be, let's do this fun event. But I think if we got to the bottom line, it would be this, to spend more time together. In fact, it would probably be, if we get even deeper on this, quality time together. I can be in it with a lot of people in a crowd, but that's not spending time together. Quality time. I've realized in my 45 years of living and almost 21 years of marriage that almost everything that needs to become better can only be done so with quality time. Jesus understood the value of quality time and silence. Psalm 46, verse 10. The psalmist says this, says, Be still. Be still of noise. Be still of action. Be still of agendas. Be still and know 
that I am God. So many times we're like, God, we need to know that you're with us. So many times I'm like, God, I need to know that you have power. God, I need to know that you can interject and intervene in this situation. God, I need to know I'm not forgotten. God, I need to know that my mental health is important. God, I need to know that you can heal my physical body. God, I need to know that you have a plan. And so many times I'm screaming for the answer, but I haven't done the first part, which says, be still and know that I am God. I'm reading this this week and I'm, I'm chewing on this. And I'm wrestling with the rhythms as apprentices of Jesus. He valued, God valued silence. Even in the Old Testament, we see it in 1 Kings, the story of Elijah. In Elijah chapter 19, it's an Old Testament story. It's a fascinating story. But listen, as apprentices, the rhythms of God. Let me read in verse 11 in the message version of 1 Kings 19. Then he was told, God was speaking to Elijah. He said, go stand on the mountain at attention before me. It says, God will pass by. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God. But God wasn't found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. Oh Lord, it's a fire. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, don't miss this, a gentle and quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak and went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. A great voice asked, so Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? Here's the key part of that verse. A gentle and quiet whisper. I don't know about you, but so many times I'm looking for God in the earthquake. Man, what's happening? What's shaking? Man, what's, what's, man, momentum is happening. Things are shaking and moving. Man, God is, man, we got hundreds of people. We got people tuning in. We got this new idea and this new event, and we're adapting and pivoting, and man, things are shaking. Man, God, what are you saying in all this shaking? Some of you even saw shaking as a, man, the, Man, churches are being shaken. Governments are being shaken. What's God saying in the shaking? It's easy to watch the earthquake. Some it's the fire. Oh, man, the heat is on. I'm just waiting for the fire of God. I'm waiting for the fire of, uh, of revival. And some people are saying, man, the fire right now of trials. Man, what is God saying? Sometimes it's the wind. You know, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And you see effects happening all around the world right now. One thing starts over here. And what happens in one country now blows around the world. And what happened even this last week in America, is blown around the world, results and reactions, and we think, man, there's, man, man, there's a new wind blowing, something's happening, and God says, even in this, he's not in that, he's in a gentle and quiet whisper. As apprentices of Jesus, there is a war for silence in our lives. I feel it. This would probably be the, one of the greatest struggles in my life. I live in a quiet neighborhood, it's real quiet. You can hear raccoons trying to get into our green bin. You can, you can hear things. But it is so noisy inside my head. I always say it like this. It's like Nova Scotia outside, but it's New York in here. You like me today? Even during this live stream, you have a hard time. It's like you never realize how much you want toast until the service starts. <laughs> is that just me? You start off watching the service, but you're already flipping through the gram. You're already like, I just, I just that's, that's a good word. Oh, oh, cool. There's a sale. 
There's a buy one, get one. Okay, all right. Is it just me? You're already checking when that game's coming on. You're already planning that next activity. You're already thinking about, am I the only one that is at a war for silence? Jesus valued silence. There's, this is not an opinion. This is not the rhythms of a pastor. This is not telling you to eat meat or be vegan or exercise, run, you, uh, do triathlons. It's not about going to bed at a certain time or waking up. It is not my opinion but I'm seeing it in the rhythms of Jesus that he valued silence over and over. He retreated to an isolated place because he found that's where his hope was filled. That's where his strength. And it says God was in the gentle and quiet whisper. And sometimes the most important things are said quiet enough so your ear adapts. I'm at that age. How old am I? Let me tell you how old I am. If I'm looking for an address, I got to turn down the radio. That's how old I am. You ever do that? You're trying to focus, turn down the radio? God wants us to focus in on his voice. So as an apprentice, this is the action steps we want to do. Is find silence. And could it be the power we need is found in the silence we resist? Could it be the power we need as a church, as a husband, as a father, as a man, in your life, the power we need, is it possible the power we need is in the silence we resist. Silence is deafening to me. It's like I'm allergic to it. What are the consequences of not doing quality time in any relationship? Have you, have you, have you found this? Someone, maybe a friend, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe it's a, a, a child. If you're not around them for a long period of time, what happens? What's the consequences? What are the symptoms? What are the outcome of not spending quality time? Well, you feel distant. I don't really know what they're up to. When you were close, you knew what they were up to. You knew what they were doing. You knew, you knew what their schedule was. I don't really know what they're doing. You, you feel distant. You feel agitated. Misunderstandings happen in that atmosphere. And there's also a loss of desire to connect. After you haven't connected for a while, there's actually not even a desire to connect. Long-distance relationships, I've done it in the past. Maybe you're in the middle of one right now, and, and you've, you work hard to fight for those moments, but then after a time, it's hard to keep that going. As a pastor, I can say this, even as a church, that we're not together. I find the more distant I am from our people, the more agitated I get, the more there's misunderstandings, the more sometimes, like, no, I don't want to have someone over. I just feel a loss of desire. Am I the only one? All of a sudden, what did that text mean? Or why didn't they show up to that video meeting? Or... Or why weren't they excited about that? Or why, why did I get an email at that time of night? And when you're distant, you get misunderstandings want to get in. Agitations come in. And that's why even my wife will fight for it, go, no, no, we need to have family supper time. Why? Because we can get around the table and shut out the noise of the world and look each other in the eye and be together. There's a reconnecting. And it's amazing what agitated me an hour before. Now I understand better through connection. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. What happens when we're distant from God? When we don't have that quality time, when we're not connected to him? Well, we feel distant. We feel disconnected. We feel agitated. There's misunderstandings. We actually don't even desire to connect with God. See, some of you haven't missed church. Some of you don't miss God because there's been a drift for a while. Parts of my life don't want to connect with God. Because the distance comes in. And what we need is some quality time. So here's an action step today. As 
apprentices of Jesus. I'm going to ask you as a church, you don't have to do this, but I'm going to encourage you as apprentices to do this. We all got phones. Grab your phone and put a reminder in this week, every day at noon. Just put in nothing at noon. Just put in nothing at noon for five minutes. Just five minutes. You think, five minutes, Pastor Mike, I'm a disciple of the Lord. I'm a woman of faith. I'm a daughter of Zion. I'm a, I'm a son of thunder. Five minutes, come on. Five minutes is hard. I'm t- no phones, no music. Don't even read your Bible. <gasps> Don't even pray. Just sit there and think about Jesus. Think about his plan for you. And then whisper these words. How are we? Five minutes. Put on your phone every day this week. Come up at noon. No matter what you're doing, go get in your car. Sit by yourself. Shut the radio off. If you're at work, maybe just shut your office door. If you're at home, go to the bathroom for five minutes. Put down the video game and just take a minute. Maybe just go for a walk somewhere quiet. And just for five minutes, five minutes. Nothing at noon. And see if a reconnection happens. And the power we need is in the silence we resist. Nothing at noon. This week, I'm committed that even the start of this year, there's earthquakes and fire and wind and things that we are doing and moving and shaking. Lots of things going on, but I don't want to forsake the rhythms of Jesus because I want the power that he has. I want the results that he got. I want to have the love that he felt. I want to have the wisdom that he shared, but I've got to follow the rhythms that he lived. I need some to do nothing but focus in on him and watch what will happen. Today as we close, I want to pray for you. You say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I, I saw the billboard. We, so many people are seeing the billboards in the, the bus shelters and tuning in today. Maybe someone shared this. Maybe you call Nova home, but you don't know Jesus. You know the noise of church. You know live stream. You know where to find us Sunday mornings at 10. You know the, you know the noise, but you don't know the voice. Start this year pulling yourself aside as a ministry team, as preachers, as pastors, we need to value the silence because in those moments before God says, ready, set, go, he'll give us the direction. He'll fill our hopes up again. I want to pray for you. See, man, a dream without a plan It's just a wish. God has a plan for your life. I want to pray for us disciples in a moment, but I want to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus today, we're going to pray this prayer. You'll see on the screen, just text the word faith to that number. Just let us know you're praying. We want to stand with you. Text faith. I I need to start a new faith. Text that word faith to that number. If you said, Mike, I want you to pray for me. The Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. And we say, Jesus, he's stopping for you. And when we stop for him, a miracle happens. Can I pray for you? Come on, let's pray. God, I thank you for those watching today that want to start this journey of apprenticing with you. It's not following a church. It's not following a preacher or a pastor or a worship team. We're thankful we get to do this together, but God, we want to follow you. We're your apprentice. We want to talk like you talked and value what you value and love who you loved and help who you helped and do what you did. And God, today we ask that you would come in, Lord Jesus, to our lives. We feel far from you. We feel distant. We feel like there is this this chasm and ache where we are so disconnected from you. God, would you come in and make yourself real right now? Jesus, would you make yourself real? 
We're asking, would you come in and take over our lives and lead us? Would you become our teacher? Would you become our leader? And we say right now, we will follow you in your teachings, in your values, in your love, in your rhythms. Forgive us for our past. Take this moment right now and lead us into our tomorrows. Jesus, we need you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate with you. So please text that number so we know that we can celebrate with you. Church, a dream without a plan is just a wish. I don't want to wish this year. I want to plan this year because I got some dreams. And God has some dreams for you. So this week, will you join with us? Would you post online? Hey, nothing at noon. I'm doing this. I'm in. I'm in. Nothing at noon. Five minutes. As school starts back, I'm going to take five minutes at lunch. As you go back to work or you're at work, five minutes. If it's, if you, listen, if you can't do noon, do 9 a.m., do 4 p.m. Listen, it's not about, it's not about the, the specifics. It's about the heart of it. Five minutes. I'm going to do nothing at noon. Let me read it one more time. Psalm 62, 5. Let all that I am, all that I am, wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Church, get your hopes up. Get the noise down and get your hopes up. Get the distractions down, get our hopes up, and watch what God will do as we reconnect. Agitations will fade away. Misunderstandings will fade away. Lack of desire will fade away as we reconnect and embrace the silence. Watch the power. Amen? Come on, let's worship together as we close today.